I thought you were going to say, what if I got into Dan's brain and then started laying eggs? Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, fellas, we're doing a show. Let's do a show. I had a... Um, Dan, are you okay? Everyone's original sound is on. Let me double check that. Yes, it is yeah. on. Yeah. And uh, let me just check. I should have checked this before I hit record. Everyone can hear that? Yeah. All right, then. It's like uh, we're back at uh, the edge back in 1989-1990. I would say uh, welcome everyone to the show. Freddie's got a sports comment coming up. And I would walk all over the vocal. <laughs> and I'd be sitting there thinking, what the fuck am I going to talk about today? <laughs> That's Christ. funny. In 20 minutes before I had to deliver that sports comment, I hammer something out. <laughs> and then uh, all the listeners would go, why is that guy talking over this singing? And then, I'd, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then I'd look across the glass and there'd be Dan Duran rushing in because he couldn't make it to the studio one time. And I'd say, Dan, are you in an emotional place that we can start this show? And then he would flip over backwards. Huh? Let me try again. Well, there's a compression of five years. Here's right uh, Psychedelic Furs, Edge 102. There we go. Hit that post. Very nice. Well, the first time I walked all over the goddamn thing. So I got every, every disc jockey should have a chance to do it twice. <laughs> do over. It should, it should be like tennis. By the way, we should yeah. talk a little tennis today because there was a big tennis event on the weekend. Um, but it should be like tennis for disc jockeys where you get a second tranche, you get a second uh, serve, a second chance. Yeah. All right. So I uh, had a Dan Duran, Fred Patterson dream last night. It's a true story. One of the, like it, you know, it's it's funny. It never it's never the main sleep. It's always the one where you go back to sleep. Yeah. So I was talking. Uh, Julietta was over last night for dinner, and we were talking. She said, "You know, there's, you know, there's quite a bit of bad weather coming here. The next couple of days, it could be very, very rainy." And I said, "Okay." And I had heard earlier in the day. Go ahead. <laughs> No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just giggling. Well, I, I know you. Must... Listen, I've known you for 34 years. I have to pause when you giggle. No wonder you love her. She talks about the weather. <laughs> exactly. That's all I was going to say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's in Spanish, you know, which is very sexy. And earlier in the day, I had talked to somebody who said that there was an, a chance of a tropical storm heading to north of here. But but way north, a really small chance it's going to head here. Anyway, those two facts, somewhere in my brain, here's the dream. You, Dan, and I are doing a live broadcast, which we all hate. We're doing it someplace out in the middle of nowhere. For some reason, we're at right. a gas station. Dan's running the equipment. And I say to you and Fred, hey, look, there's a tornado. And there was a tornado coming from one side of us and another side of us. And Fred and I wow. immediately start running. I'm running in the dream. I'm running. I'm running. And Fred and I are running. And, and I look back. And I see Dan. And Dan's got the board. And he's, 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 he's Dan's unhooking the board before he runs away from the tornado. And that's the end. Well, of the he, dream. he wants to save the board. <laughs> that's wow. what I look. It's just the last second. The I look back and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, what the fuck is Dan doing? Dan's saving the little radio mixing board so that in case after the tornado, we can broadcast again. I thought you were going to say you look back and Dan was actually running towards the storm mm. just to see how those things work. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, even in my dream, it kind of made me laugh because as I was running, I saw Fred somewhere, and you know, we both, Fred and I, were such oh, yeah. babies. As soon oh, as we cowards, see the, cowards, <laughs> we, we couldn't get out. Of, we couldn't get out of this location fast enough, and I just see Dan struggling to unhook the board to make sure we save it. <laughs> save the board, Dan. Save the board. Anyway, oh, so you see, even I... in my dreams, Dan, I see you as the responsible one of the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> or irresponsible. No. Uh, oh, it was great. Well, save the board, but, you know, mm. risk your life. I anyway. Anyway, that's, yeah, t- that's uh, the show. There's the whole show. It's, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, it's... Uh, you often wonder, eh, what motivates, kickstarts, whatever the word is, certain dreams you have. Because often you'll have a dream and you'll think back to the day before having a conversation or a situation, right? And then it's like, oh, that dream sort of had that theme. Just how the mind works. It's a fascinating thing. You know, when God put our minds together, our mm. brains together, he really, really put a lot he, of Yeah, he took a... What day, of the seven days that God made the world... Which yeah. day did what he day do? Was the brain. <laughs> what day was the brain? What day was brain? Like, was that like yeah. a Tuesday, Dan, where like he had it on his uh, on his calendar? Eleven a.m. Uh, dicks, twelve thirty brains, dicks and brains. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even listening. Dan's not even paying attention. Or is he frozen? What is it's, hard, <laughs> it's hard to tell. Actually, sometimes no, he's frozen. Oh, his screen yeah, I is. Think <laughs> <laughs> his I think his, his internet's gone. I, 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 either that, he's gone full force. Bill. <laughs> the funniest thing about this is, I looked down and it didn't look any different for a second. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, by the way, that's only funny to you and I. But it is funny. Oh, now he's gone completely. He's come to the realization. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know. I guess God, he put, you know, he put arms and legs and a head and he thought, fuck, how's this going to work? And then he came up with the idea of a brain, I guess. He said, I need a super. Or did he make the brain first, Howard, and then thought, okay, this brain can do anything, so I'll make arms and legs. Like, you know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Only God knows. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's not talking. He hasn't talked for a long time. You know, I'm going to say it's funny. It's, um... Oh, it's funny. Is it interesting? It's interesting. Interesting, funny, profound. You and I are so anti-religion, yet this was one of my one of my favorite songs with God in the title. Do you know this song? Is this the Partridge Family? Classic. Be- yes, it's the Partridge Family okay. and the Beach Boys. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Partridge Family. I wonder if Dan's going to come back. You know what? We could, when Dan's not here, we could just get a screenshot of that look that he has. Sort of bemused, disgust, annoyance. Yeah, I know this is Beach Boys. What's the name of the song? And what, what, what's the, what are they God only about? knows. Oh, God okay. only knows what I would be without you. It's great, too. Brian Wilson, genius. Yeah, Beach Boys were never really part of my world other than something I heard on 1050 Chump as a kid. Mm. They were zero part of my world until I, until yeah. I started working in AM radio. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, I really had no appreciation for uh, Pet Sounds, the, you know, mm-hmm. 
reputed to be the the album that inspired Sgt. Pepper's. So, mm-hmm. you know, they have that going for them. And I'm I'm such a big fan of vocal harmony. Like I like I love that. Oh yeah. In music, I'm just surprised. I <laughs> what? No, I just just hearing you, you say know, some that. guys like crashing guitars and <laughs> no, drums and stuff. I well, love no. harmony. No, I, I just the way you said it. I'm such a huge fan of vocal harmony. Well, look, Dan is back. <laughs> hey, Dan. Yeah. For the longest time, Fred and I didn't even know your your screen was frozen <laughs> because that look that you had was the look you often give us, which is all right. When is this? When is this it nonsense going like, to end? It looks like. It looks like Bruno Gerussi hasn't been paying his internet bill. Yeah, well, because <laughs> he's dead. So. <laughs> yeah, so not true. But I totally What's the problem. I wonder. Oh well, doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, yeah. I told uh, you that story too. I mean, on the God uh, theme, that Megan Rapinoe. She's a big American soccer player. Played for the national team, and then yeah. in the professional women's soccer league, she was playing her final pro game on Sunday, and it was a big event because you know she might be the most reputed female uh, soccer player of all time. I arguably. There's some Canadians would rival her. Doesn't matter. Anyway, the last game was supposed to be a big deal. Five minutes into it, she blows out her Achilles tendon. And she was very, very disappointed. And after the game, just talking to the media, she said, yeah, like, you know, my final game, five minutes in, this happens to me. She says, it proves there's not a God. And now he's frozen. He's been frozen... Yeah, you, like you know the right wing media. Yeah, dude, you went away there for a second. Your 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 screen was frozen. Uh, can you hear him? Yeah, now I can hear him. Yeah, now uh-huh. he's gone. Can you hear me? Yeah, uh, yeah. Except that you're during that that bit, oh. uh, part of you was frozen, and then at the end, uh, when you got to the uh, punchline of the story, uh, you were gone. Who are you talking to right you. now? You, me, or Dan? You. Fred? Fred Patterson, I'm talking to you. Oh, I'm sorry. I. Oh, so I. You froze up there. Was there. A sure. Yes, well. there was a problem with you as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dual issues. Dual issues. Oh, Dual issues. Okay. <laughs> so, so maybe it's at your end. Maybe uh, it's at your end, Howard, then. I don't know. With your internet. Well, if both of us. Well, no, but but my internet, we had a power bump here. No, because, yeah, Yeah. I could see Dan during that whole thing. Um, So what we missed missed was the punchline of the story. So she said, it shows there's no God, and then you were cut out completely. She yeah she said she said oh like you know she said what a drag five minutes in this happens to me oh it just proves there's no God just throwing it out there as a turn of phrase and I said she's just been punished over the past couple of days you know the right wing media Fox media in particular all these you know Bible thumping other athletes coming out and questioning her faith and how could she say such a thing <laughs> when God is looking after us all and and it was like holy cow people. You know, it's all right to say, you know, it proves there is a God if something good happens. You know what I mean? You can say that. But anyway, it was just, to me, just just ready to pounce. It's like, I mean, really, take it in context. She was kidding. It was a turn of phrase. It was relax. But Well, if you're a producer, if, if you're a Everybody producer. Ready to pounce. 
If you're a producer at Fox News and you come across that story, of course you're going to jump on it. You know, that, 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 that's yeah. what it is for a lot of those people. I mean, the, and then the Bible-thumping athletes and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that's their brand. So, of course, they have to defend their brand. Yeah. But I, again, I, and I understand that, but, you know, at the, at the, at the cost of, you know, rationality. Like they well, there is no rationality. You know what I mean? Hey, like um, they know. They know what she was saying, but. Do you think we should start? Go. Do you think we should get Dan Duran to start the show? Because we're kind of like uh, 12 minutes in, we haven't hit the uh, intro button yet. Oh, let's do it, man. <laughs> but that's what I was like. I, I don't think. Did, did you think we'd started the show? <laughs> did, did anyone think we started the show? I was oh, worried I can't about remember. getting back to start it. <laughs> Fred, I can't remember. Okay. Well, when we start the show, Dan Duran does this. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our mobile, state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studio in Puerto Aventuras, Mexico. Wow. From our well-equipped basement facility in Brampton. With a new tablecloth and a reflective mirror. And from a street-side porch in Stratford. And is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, 4-on-1, evnet.ca, and Palma Pasta, along with returning sponsors Bodog and Kelsey's. And now, here are two men whose fun thoughts and exuberant eating have brought us to where we are now. It's Humble and Fred. Uh, you know, it started last week. What started last week is I made a mistake and it started promoting our guest, Sean Menard, who has done a documentary about much music. Let's just go with me on this, everyone, for a second. And I made a mistake. I thought he was going to be on last Wednesday, and no, he's going to be on. He was going to be on today. And uh, he's uh, done a film called 299 Queen Street West. It's all about the uh, history of much music. We're looking very forward to eventually getting Sean on the show. Yesterday at the end of the show, I reiterated our excitement about this uh, documentary. And uh, we're, he was today's the actual day he's going to be on, was going to be on. And now, because of some flight issues, Sean will not be on this program. So, uh, if you were tuning in today for that purpose, this may be a good time to leave the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. That, hap- that happening has been delayed. Once again. Now, we didn't really talk about... We, we started talking about the Bob Callahan Senior Center in Brampton, home of uh, the Freddie P. Workout. And then we got sidetracked and started talking about Bob McCown, who, by the way, I forgot to uh, send a note to. And I, I wanted to bring up working out in your older years because I saw... How, how was your workout? Was it fine? Was it, did you feel good after? Absolutely. You know someone of my profile i guess i could come away going you know that's too easy for me i'm you know it's a bunch of old ladies like (laughs) i need more right i'm telling you i go in there with my sweet little wife and this young woman puts us through a workout and you know as i look around the room i see a lot of the older people just sort of 
not that they can't keep up their body just won't do it sure exactly, exactly so they, yeah. they compromise which is fine mm. it's not like come on you gotta do it but what <laughs> she puts us through and i can do and delise can do yeah it's a nice little workout yeah and that's good you know it, uh, yeah. it's not overdone no um I could feel it in my butt cheeks. Good. Yeah. The reason I'm bringing it up uh, is, you know, you, you you may have experienced this. From Dan, I'm not sure if you, when you went away last winter, if you've ever seen this character. But he's the, uh, I saw, I've seen him a couple times at various places when you're away in the winter. It's the jacked up old guy. It's like a guy, I don't, I, let me describe this because I saw one the other day and I thought of you too. I said, you know, it's one thing to try and stay in shape and not get fat and whatever. But there's this character. I don't know what age he is. Could be 75, could be 85, but he's jacked. Like from the neck down, he's got like ripply sort of muscles. Like it looks like he's really been working out. But from the neck up, he's like a Komodo dragon. (laughs) It's like, you know, that kind of thing where you're like, I saw this dude on a bike the other day and it took me a second. It was just because I was driving along and I see some guy on a bike and he's got like a t-shirt, but he's got fucking big biceps and he's all jacked up. But then I see it's a guy. He, he looks like, you know, sometimes when they animate a thousand year old turtle, <laughs> like that face, mm-hmm. like it just seems weird. It's like, it's so out of care. It just seems so incongruous. Mm-hmm. It just sort of made me smile. I'm like, oh, look, another jacked up old guy. And I don't think that's where you're heading over there at the Bob Callahan Senior Center. No, you know, all the research I do, it's just very important for people in your 60s and 70s to uh, keep it off the waistline. You know I mean, what I mean? You do, you do. Is that the research you've been doing, like like a, yes. a research project? Well, whenever I see any articles or whatever, and um, I get men's health from time to time, mm. and uh, thanks to Darren. Um, Anyway, it's a share subscription thing. But anyway, you see those articles, and I, you know, I gravitate to the ones. You know, you don't have to be a slob in, in as a senior, that type of thing. And and uh, uh, the big problem with uh, people in their advanced years is the big gut or the goo around the, oh, yeah. the waist belt. Yeah, the, so, the what do the guys call it? The boiler. Yeah, but not even that so much, Howard. The big hard beer belly. I'm just talking about like flabby midsection. Which tends to happen to guys in their 60s and 70s. Just sort of stay on top of that because it puts a lot of stress on other organs. Dan- so they say. So that, you know, that's the rule of thumb. Daniel, how's, uh, how, how is your... Yeah. I haven't seen you in person in uh, almost a year. So how's your uh, waistline? Are you still slim? And Now, Dan's got jacked, got jacked guy arms because he works with his arms all the time. And, and Dan's always had pretty big arms. Like big oh, yeah. forearms. Me, like regular size biceps, but you have the forearms of an athlete. Let's just be honest with one another. <laughs> um, how's your weight these days? Uh, it's uh, it was a little bit hefty there a few weeks ago, but it's uh, it's come down now. What? Well, it was just a for me. I'm not not hefty compared to you know some other me. people, but <laughs> compared to what to Fred? <laughs> like I, I, the reason I got surprised, Dan, is because you know for people who don't know, Dan has an island for fat people, Fat People Island, and. Uh, <laughs> they're banished. <laughs> where they're, they're where they're what they're banished. That's right. Mm-hmm. If Dan sees you and he thinks you're too fat, you will be banished to Dan's Fat Island, Fat People <laughs> Island. Yeah. But you what now? If you got too hefty, would you banish yourself to uh, your own Pretty island? Much, yeah, I couldn't imagine myself being that guy. Yeah. Um, with with the boiler that like my my dad had. 
find I, it. I don't remember it. Cliff having a boiler. Did he have a boiler? Yeah, yeah, he did. Hey, my dad did, and most of the dads I knew growing up had the had the boiler. But there wasn't a mind to, you know, health and diet that there is nowadays or the knowledge of what you were doing to yourself with that. Back then it was just, oh, jolly old thing, right? Yeah, Lou wasn't much of a, yeah, I, I guess uh, my dad didn't have it. My dad, as he got older, just got skinnier and skinnier until he did, and his ass disappeared, much like myself. He was just kind of, but my dad smoked a lot and... Mm-hmm. Didn't he, my dad didn't drink beer? I think that was part of it. Yeah, you know, as you age, um, I've noticed. You know, guys get older in their seventies, pushing eighty, they tend to lose weight. So I'm sort of caught in the middle now because I can still easily gain weight. I guess that means I'm still sort of on the youthful side of being a senior. You know what I mean? Like, I still have a hearty appetite and everything. Yeah, you're a junior senior. I noticed even my dad in later years, oh, he couldn't eat as much or he only wanted half, you know, that type mm-hmm. of thing. I'm not there yet. <laughs> well, and Dan's always been very mm-hmm. disciplined when it comes to eating, whereas you and I can just go off very. on a, on a f- fucking, what did I call it? a couple months ago we were talking about storm or rage, rage eating or storm eating. It's storm eating. Yeah, it's storm eating. Yeah, Stan's not much of a storm eater, although I've been with Dan where... You know, we've been high on our weed, and I can convince Dan to have a, a freezy and then some popcorn. And but on, I think on your own, you don't eat like that. No, I don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's special occasions like when we got together that you know special weed getting high like monkey com- occasions, communal yeah. eating of mm-hmm. you know too much bad stuff for you. But you know, you save it up. You it's know. so obvious. I mean, what happens to you? You know, I mean, I'm that. I, I get in those habits where, you know, all of a sudden there's potato chips in the house all the time or chocolate. And you're just, gra- the idea, you know, you just have to keep it out of the house, out of sight, out of mind. And it works swimmingly for me. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, I love potato chips, you know, crack a beer maybe and have some chips. And you know what? Half a bag of potato chips, the calories and the fat and the carbohydrates and <laughs> yes sucks. yes i do and they're so good now but, uh i've been pretty good down here but i'm i'm the same like i because it's not as convenient for me to i mean i could go to a restaurant every night and, and it's a five minute walk but i've been eating a lot more you know making a lot more food for myself but i'm the same as you if i have something in the house i'll eat it i bought these orange flavored I, I thought they were sort of <laughs> I want to say health cookies like they weren't like they were like just little like wafers thin orange flavored wafers and I thought oh these will be nice I'll have those after dinner and be a little little treat <laughs> well I bought them three days ago well they're gone now they're just gone well yeah that's the problem you know I eat if I get into a good rhythm of diet and keep that shit out of the house mm. although you know we just had halloween we had one kid come to the door so oh, there's yeah. piles of those little chocolate bars and i got doll to hide them so i don't even know where they are because you know what that's like every time you walk by the bowl or walk by the thing you just grab one one's not gonna hurt and then at the end of the day you've had nine so but, you have no idea where in your where in your home the chocolate no. bars are no she's probably gone on a scavenger hunt maybe she gave them to the kids no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't seek them out either because I know they're just 
bad for you. But what I do, my treat at night is dark chocolate, right? And three squares of dark dark chocolate's like 120 degrees or degrees, 120 calories. Mm-hmm. So for a do little treat at night, that's like that's like two spoonfuls of ice cream, right? Right. It's, is 100, uh, Do you have calories. that while you're uh, having a cup of tea listening to vocal harmonies? Yep. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes, smart guy. That's what I do. Smart I guy. My... Listen, I'm not, I'm not mocking you. I've just never heard you say the phrase vocal harmonies before. Well, yeah. Is that redundant? No. It is. No, is it's it? not Not at all. Vocal harmonies? No. no. Okay. No, sweet okay. man. It's not at all. It's just a, when you were gone, Dan, he said vocal harmonies. It just made me laugh. Um, we're talking about all this uh, food. In, <laughs> so, you know, we've talked about Ozempic. Fred, uh, you know some people. I know a guy that was on it. The uh, wonder drug for uh, people that are... I w- I, can you say oh, morbidly o- obese, grossly overweight... Are all those things the same? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the threshold is for morbidly obese. I'm just glad I'm not it. I, I think that, threshold's a lot that would, lower. That would be a shitty tag to have hung on you, wouldn't it? Morbidly well, obese. But I think that, that phrase, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you will. But I think the threshold for morbidly obese is lower than we would think. Like, I, I know that, you know... I've done this thing, my research from time to time, my height and what I weigh, I'm supposed to weigh, like, I weigh 193, let's say. I'm supposed to, play, according to some charts, I'm supposed to be like 178, which would be way too skinny. So I would suspect that we, we, would, um, that we would be surprised by what morbidly obese is. Dan, are you six feet tall? I am six foot. Okay, so you're six, six feet. One, six foot one, yeah. You're six one. I'm 5'11". I think for men our age, obese, you'd be into the, the early 200s. 220, 215, 230, you would be starting to be considered obese. Probably, yeah. But Fred, it depends Fred, if it's muscle or not, right? Well, yeah, I just for sure. Our body mass index. Fred's doing some research yeah. right now. We're going to well, have some yeah, results. I'm, I'm looking at the chart, and they really are unrealistic. Well, that's, that's what I said. I, oh, no, I know. I'm saying they really are uh, not realistic. Um, underlining what you said. And my doctor has told me that, too. He said, you know, like, like, let's be real. Because I'm supposed to be in the 150s. Exactly. Right? And I'm in the 170s. So the thing is, how tall are you? Uh, I'm 5'11", Dan, 6'1". So almost 6. So at, yeah, 185 or 186, you're flirting with obese. That's exactly. Ridiculous. ridiculous. Well, that's what I said when you were researching. Like, I'm 193 now, let's say. And I know they, they that chart wants me to be in the 170s. Nobody, it's so unrealistic. That, that's why I said most people would be surprised by what those, what those guidelines would have you at, at your ideal weight. Yeah. At, at 175, around where I am now, I'm like, I'm overweight. Like, I'm firmly overweight, according to this. Like the guy's right in I, the middle of overweight. The guy I know that's on Ozempic and the guy that you know that's on Ozempic are sort of normal-sized men... 5'8", 5'11", 5'10", something, that weigh 300 plus pounds. Mm -hmm. So that's almost twice what you weigh, and it's another, whatever, 120, whatever. 300 pounds for me would be another uh, 155 pounds, let's say. Mm -hmm. 
Can you imagine walking around with another hundred pounds? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to name him because, you know, the deal hasn't been closed yet. But a buddy of mine who's extremely overweight, he is. He sat there last week and admitted it to me. And he sort of gives up trying to do it on his own. He's going to ask his doctor about Ozempic and offered to, you know, contribute to the show, um, you know, that journey. Yeah, I'd love that. But I, what I'm reading is that there's a super shortage right now. And the first people that are being told that they can't have it are people that want, exclu- want it exclusively for weight loss, obviously, because diabetics need it. Is your friend so you, uh, p- close to being diabetic? Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah, that might be the, uh, the gateway for him. But, uh, yeah. You know, at some point, the thing is when you've got so much, and I understand it because it's a drag to try and lose 10 or 12 pounds. Like when you let it get out of hand and you look and think, oh man, I wish I'd have clued in at six pounds. It'd be a lot easier than 12 pounds. I can only imagine being a hundred and some odd pounds overweight. That's an overwhelming job. (laughs) Dan, what were you going to say? You know, Uh, well, I found a chart like Fred did on with the Oracle's help. Um, It was um, uh, 40 is the uh, uh, BMI. That, that you're considered obese. Morbidly so obese. Like four, okay. morbid, morbidly 40? obese, yeah. At really? 40 BMI, yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, for example, myself, at six foot one, it would be a weight of about 300 pounds. And then from then on in, on there on up, rather, that would be me being morbidly obese. What's, what's uh, your height uh, again, Fred? I'm, like, pretty much 5'10". Right. 175, 76, depending on the day. Right, so two two eighty would be morbidly. So I'd be, I, would be yeah, I'd be in there somewhere. I'm five eleven ish. So same with me, two eighty, two ninety. Um, and and I think Fred's point's a good one in terms of you know, I, I'm the same. Like when I came down here two plus weeks ago now, I know I've lost weight here. I can tell because some of the clothes that were a little tight on me are starting to loosen up again. But I've been thinking about, you know, and it's, it's, it's the drag because, you know, I'm sort of 10 pounds-ish heavier than I was when I came back in April. And along the way, it's just bad habits. It's a lot of takeout food. It's not a lack of exercise because I, I get lots of exercise. Right. It's just my portion control and eating mm-hmm. MSG, you know, ridden food. Right. Yes. But imagine those people we're talking about, to your point about, you're sitting there thinking, man, I got to lose 100 pounds. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... Like, psychologically, it's got to be really tough. Because even for those people, losing 10, 15 is quite an achievement and a lot of hard work. But to think, okay, I'm only... I got to lose 120 and I'm only down 15. Yeah. And what got you there, obviously, is your love of food and drink and the wrong ones. And, you know, the worse the food, the more you crave them. That whole vicious circle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it really does. It blows. Uh, Dan, can you stick around here for a second? Because uh, I, I, I have found a, a little uh, funny joke I think you'll appreciate. Okay, oh, because uh, it's been we've been doing the show now for thirty minutes. We should thank some of our sponsors. I think, by the way, before I f- forget, I think Ozempic has yeah. a missed opportunity. <laughs> what they should do is, I think they should sponsor the Ozempic Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> the Ozempics <laughs> they would call it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, 
at the Ozympics, it would just be all these people that have, you know, different weight loss categories and different exercisers or different disciplines for people who are, you know, in various stages of being, of not being fat, Dan, okay? Uh-huh. That's a great idea. The Ozympics. You should pitch that. Yeah, you should pitch that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right, Dan, just hang on a second. We've got to talk about, uh, I, this is, I'm going to, coming up in a second, Louis C.K.'s favorite joke. And, uh, oh, here comes Brandy. And a uh, Toronto institution that is shut down. All right. Uh, tonight, the Toronto Raptors home to the Milwaukee Buckaroos. And uh, the Bucks, uh, they're what? Four and a half point pick to win that game. Uh, the uh, Raptors pay $155 to win. How about that? 227.5, the over-under on that game happening tonight at the Scotiabank Arena. On this date, November 15th, 2023, whether you're a sports better or, well, you know, uh, you're into uh, wagering on sports, as a lot of us are. Uh, Bodog is the place to go. They've been uh, doing this since 1994. Uh, Industry-leaning uh, odds, world-class sports book, feature-rich poker room. Uh, they've got a fully loaded casino and race book. Yeah, even horse racing. It's all there at Bodog. Bodog, your place to wager. Hey, sweet man, can you just give me a little extra Fred Mike because you got a little low there? Just tell him, bump it a bit. Uh, Electric Vehicle Network has all your electric vehicles available to rent. That's right. You can rent one before you buy it uh, for an hour, actually, or even a weekend. Take it out for a week. Get 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 into the vibe of a, an EV. It doesn't have to be a Tesla. It could be a, a Chevrolet, a Nissan Leaf. And uh, right now, you call them at 1-800-387-9391. Use the uh, promo code HUMBLEEV for $40 off your first rental at rentelectric.ca. Really an, an opportunity to feel if this is the next car for you. Sort of try it before you buy it at rentelectric.ca. Um, the last couple of weeks, uh, just because uh, I guess I've come, a lot, come across a lot of dad jokes. There's been a couple of themes that have developed on the program. There's the sort of humble and Fred joke of the day. And there's also the, obviously, the on the other side, the humble and Fred Jew news of the day. We'll get to both of those on the show today, Dan. Um, <laughs> but I did come across this joke. And, I, you know, I, I know people aren't supposed to like Louis C.K. anymore because of whatever. But I still like him. I think he's brilliant. Well, anyway. Because he jerked off in a planter? Because he jerked off in a planter, you know. Right. That, who hasn't? In front of a woman. No, no. In he jerked. Front of a woman. These are separate inc- incidents. Oh, okay. The I'm planter sorry. incident, by the way, that was a Harvey Weinstein. Oh, was it? I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, so you're getting your jerk. You're getting your jerk off stories mixed up. <laughs> Louis C.K. Right. jerked off in front of a couple of women. All right. Different. But anyway, there was jerking off involved. So, uh, I, so I happened to come across this yesterday. It's there's just a, the title was Louis C.K.'s, uh, his current favorite joke. New favorite joke. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. It's Dan Natterman. Okay. So yeah, I'll start, let me start this. Again. So I'm going to quote. So he's talking about a comic he likes and it's his, the favorite joke he, that he said. Yeah. It's Dan Natterman. Yeah, I know Dan Adam. So I'm going to quote one of his jokes. Okay. So he says that uh, he's talking about um, sex ed in school. He says, my teacher gave us sex education. Um, he brought in a, a banana and he said, children, I'm going to teach you how to put on a condom. And I brought this banana because I can't get a heart on an empty stomach. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's great. Isn't that a great fucking joke? <laughs> because Dan, you think Excellent. you think he's going to yeah. put the condom on the banana, but he's got to yeah. eat the banana first to get a boner. <laughs> That's a oh, I knew you'd love that. Short, but very, very mm, clever. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I first moved to Toronto, uh, along with Dan Duran, we came here around the same time, 1989, there were a couple things that were very Toronto-centric. Um, obviously, the uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, and and there was uh, Ed's Honest Ed's uh, Warehouse, whatever that thing used to be called. Roast Beef. Honest, it was, it was called, I'm sorry, it was called Honest, Honest Ed's Roast Beef? No, on, it was called Ed's Warehouse, and they right. were known for their roast beef. Right. Uh, you know what? and I, our very first date was there. Come on. Yeah, I'm telling at, you. At Bloor and Bathurst? Yeah. With all the lights? Yeah, it was right there where the theaters were. Huh. Um, you know, it's funny. I drive by that intersection now all the time, and I barely... Re- it's a condos and uh, development. I barely... But the reason I bring it up is because the other thing that was very Toronto centric was Mel Lastman's bad boy furniture. Mm-hmm. And apparently, uh, according to this story, Tough Economic Times led the company to restructure its business through a filing made under the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act. And I ask you this question in case you've heard other. Are they going to still be in business or are they going out of business? I don't know how that works. Dan mentioned this story yesterday. I just saw a bit of it yesterday. You know, uh, they filed for this or that. I don't know how all that works. I think they're trying to stay in business and it has a restructuring and it releases them from obligations like... Oh, I don't know if you bought some furniture uh, and uh, are waiting to pick it up and now you don't have to give them the furniture kind of thing. So that money uh, and uh, your responsibilities to some of your uh, um, suppliers are not creditors. Don't have to, your creditors, they don't, they don't have to be honored or something. That so these guys, these guys there. made their business on buy it now, pay for it sometime in the future, right? Yes. Same with Leon's. Is that the Leon? Don't Leons? pay until twenty twenty seven. That's that right. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Even after Mel died, didn't he still appear on some of the commercials? Oh yeah. Or his? Yeah, I think so. Just for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, AI Mel. Anyway, yeah, I just it was one of those things. That I guess, Dad, did you have that story yesterday? Uh, I, I was going to tee it up for today uh, for today's news, but you know, there's lots of news, so no big deal. I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, um, a little bit of history, fellas. Uh, the Fred Man grew up in Scarborough. Uh, now, the variety store I used to go to in the ham- hamburger joint that I used to frequent was at Kennedy and Eglinton. And on the northeast corner, there was a huge Loblaw store. In that parking lot was the very first bad boy store it was sort of like a makeshift building and that's where mel first uh started selling furniture right at that corner and it grew from there wow and it wasn't it wasn't even like a permanent building uh so to speak but that's how it started right right where i grew up as a kid you mean the building they could move the building or something yeah like i yeah it was i guess i don't know but it wasn't it was like in it set up in a parking lot Right? Huh. Yeah. But it wasn't like a brick and mortar 
situation. It was like it was a pop like up, maybe a it was big like a, shed or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it was, a, yeah. a bad boy yeah. pop up uh, shop. We're talking late fifties, early sixties, right? Wow. You know, in all my time as a uh, young uh, man learning the the ways of the world, I don't think I ever bought because I was I think part of it is the generation we grew up. And I was so afraid of having to owe people money. You know, I've never had a uh, much of a uh, balance on my credit cards and I've never bought furniture where you paid it paid for it you know i didn't have much furniture anyway as a young man but you know what i mean like i never bought that's because of the idea of owing them money over time absolutely absolutely i was the same way howard you know other than a car and a house yeah buy it when you could pay for it that was always my uh i couldn't see you know i can you know the couch i have is fine until i can buy a new one with cash you know it's not it's not that insurmountable, and I know a lot of people get carried away. I, have I I've told you the Mike Stafford story, haven't I? Yeah, about oh, there's so many Mike Stafford stories. Go ahead. I'm, I'm always ready for one. <laughs> I'm always well, ready. 19, 1980, me and Dahl get married. We move into a little apartment in Brampton, and I'm working with Mike Stafford, and he ends up renting the apartment right below us we had a one bedroom and then he rented the one right below us but he had no furniture doll and i when we got married a lot of people donated stuff and it furnished our apartment it was fun but mike had nothing so he he <laughs> comes to me up one day and he said hey i got furniture for my place and i said yeah and he said yeah out in milton there was a place called country pete's mm. right <laughs> and they were one of these places, five rooms of furniture for $299, right? Wow. That was their whole spin, furnish your whole apartment for just like next to no money. Anyway, he comes and tells me this, and immediately my flags go up. And I'm thinking, Mike, I'm not sure you should have done that, man. I mean, how good can that furniture be? And I've heard of bad experiences, people dealing with that store of Milton, because I had lived there. Right. So then he gets all nervous, and then he doesn't want the uh, he doesn't want the furniture. So he phones them and tells them he wants to cancel the deal, and they refuse. They said, "No, we're not canceling the deal. You bought this in good faith. It's your furniture. We're not giving you your money back." So that pissed me off. So the Fred man got in the car with Stafford. We drove down to Country <laughs> Pete's, and I went in and worked with my magic and got his money back. That's great. <laughs> That was like 1980, 81. Yeah. That was the early stages of outrage, Fred. You were like, no fucking oh, way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like I was, oh man, I was ready for those fights back then. I thought it was, yeah, it was quite the accomplishment. And, anyway, we come even, away and he, yeah. And even after doing that for that guy, he still fired you from being his best man. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. He did. Dan, where do we get he the furniture? Where do we get the furniture in our apartment in Calgary? Was that your stuff? Because I don't remember. I had some furniture. And when we moved in together, because we had a TV, we had a, a table and chairs, we had a couch, we had stuff. We did. Uh, I think we just, you know, picked it up along the way. We didn't spend a whole lot. I know I built some furniture because I saw how Ikea was, at the time was building their stuff. So I just uh, made some. That you, you made the couch we had, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. I did, yeah. See, Dan Duran. Dan has always been very, very handy. And the thing is about Dan, if he does it, it's good. Like, it's not like, oh, Dan did that. Oh, he could have done a better job. Like, you know what I mean? Whatever he does. Oh, no, it's meticulous. Well, seriously, you stand back and you go, oh, that looks good. 
Yeah, yeah, we've said that. Even about, you know, even even up north, everybody has their decks and around their trailers, and it's called skirting. But everybody's everybody just leans to the lattice, right? And it just sort of looks trailer park. Not Dan, you know, his around his deck is this strapping that he spent days with, and it just looks. You walk onto a site, and it just looks cool, right? And then he's got all the fucking disco lights on it. <laughs> is um, is that the strap or or, or, or um, peeler bar lights on it? I should. Is that the same? strapping he uses to tape his hammer down is <laughs> sorry sorry it's been 44 minutes without any reference oh no dan has uh dan we'll let you go here in a second the last thing is dan has the thing where long after a normal person would give up on how meticulous something should be whether it's a home pro- improvement project or it's a spot we're working on that was always the uh, mm-hmm. conflict Dan and I would have when Dan was either producing shows I was doing or producing commercials or bits I wanted to do. Well, I would be like, I'd be like, okay, that's good enough. And Dan would be, no, <laughs> no, it's not. I'd be like, yes, it is, Dan. It's fine. It'll be fine. It'll be just fine. No, we're going to keep <laughs> on doing it until you hate me. <laughs> yeah, that was, exactly. That was but it has threshold. my name on it. That's yeah. right. You, we're going to keep doing this until you're yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not no. friends for a while. Yeah, you can't uh, really. You can't criticize that, can you? In retrospect, well, you could admire it, but it's not in our. Yeah. It can be aggravating. It but. can be. Um, all right, Dan. We uh, like I said, the much music guy bailed on us, so you were really our guest for uh, eight o'clock. So why don't you come back in just a couple of minutes? We'll do the news. Tim uh, Niblet is uh, the retirement sherpa, and he will be with us today, unless he bails. Um, if you're a fan of uh, Aging with Energy, and why wouldn't you be? Uh, we are going to be producing some new... Have we, have we released all the uh, season two episodes that we've recorded so far? Uh, I think there's one more to go, Howie. All right. And then today we're putting a few more in the bank. Do a couple of European destinations. What is your destination? New York City, baby. All right. And uh, before we get to our next subject... You know, the, the, the I want to do. There's a couple other little neat stories I want to get to before if I go on a uh, why does everyone hate the Jews rant. But uh, first, let's talk about these fine people, Freddie. Uh, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Brett Tanner was on the show last week. He got us up to date on. You know what they're doing, what they can offer, how they continuously add product to it at a reasonable cost for small business. He explained how it works. You know, it's that whole pooling thing. All these small businesses together uh, creates the revenue to buy uh, insurances that are now uh, affordable for small business. They got a great uh, track record of uh, holding the line on premiums year to year. I mean, it's there to see a great job. So if you get into this thing, you know that... You know, the cost will be under control. Uh, you know, dental and prescriptions and therapies. He talked about that. A mental health component now, an HR component. Uh, the travel insurance that they offer. I mean, a wide spectrum of product. Take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Find out what it's all about. And do this for your employees. Chamberplan.ca. You know, Kelsey's loves celebrating. If you're looking to host a holiday party, book on kelseys.ca and save 10% per guest. How about that? If you book your hotel, your hotel, sorry. If you book your holiday party today, 
you could win a $500 gift card. It's a contest. Now, you can book your holiday party after today. But the contest to get $500 a gift card from Kelsey's ends today. The details are at kelseys.ca. Here's another detail. If you're a hockey fan, Kelsey's a great place to watch a game. And uh, you can enjoy a Molson Canadian draft. I don't know what you're paying at your place, but at Kelsey's, a 16-ounce 16, a 16 draft is only six fifty. Plus, enter for your chance to win an original six hockey ticket. All you got to do is visit the Roadhouse to watch a game, get a ticket, and enter to win. Uh, this is also on for a limited time only. So head over. Game night should not be a tame night. Grab your buds and visit Kelsey's today. The original Roadhouse. Visit Kelsey's.ca for more details. No purchase necessary. Taxes extra must be legal drinking age. Um, there's there's vocal harmony. <laughs> By the way, for the record, I am also a huge fan of vocal harmonies. Great. How can you not be? How can, who can't be? Who who isn't? Mm-hmm. Who isn't? Yeah. Um, where did you want to go? I've got a couple things that you said you had wanted to talk about yesterday, and of course, I've got uh, I've got a whole bunch of uh, why did people hate the Jews. Uh, bits coming up if you're interested but you know maybe we can uh, you know continue on a non Hamas Israeli uh, theme for a while yeah he um, the prime minister did you see that got on the wrong side of BB yesterday yeah which um, is a is a little bit embarrassing because uh, Netanyahu actually like not uh, Twitter X'd the prime minister directly and it was like ooh okay uh one thing I was going to ask you about, I saw this story that more and more, and from your experience, because I've thought a lot about this in Toronto lately, when we talk about bike lanes and the, and the, and the such, mm. you know, in Montreal, they don't allow right hands, uh, right hand turns on red light. That's right. And it's pretty strict from what I remember, gather, yep. I've heard. Um, well, more and more North American cities are looking at adopting that rule. And a lot of it has to do, and this is what irks me, cyclists. Because you know what it's like, you know, you're in the right-hand lane, and you want to turn right, and bicycles, they want you to treat them like cars, but they don't want to act like cars. So often they'll come right up between the curb and your car, right? And then you're going to make the right, and then all of a sudden they're banging on your car, they're pissed off at you because you're making the right turn, and they come from nowhere between the curb and your car. Anyway, that irked me a bit. But the whole concept of no right on a red, that would be so hard now as a driver in Ontario to adopt. And I know there's select intersections in the city where you have to watch it, but they're well marked. But if that was a blanket rule, um, I think it would <laughs> it would be a tough one to get used to. Now, when you were in Montreal, what was your experience with that? Well, I agree with you. It would be tough to integrate it now in Ontario. Although, as you say, there are, I don't know, there's plenty of you can't turn right on red light signs. Yeah, but they're usually a big beacon there. That No, no, I know. Be- I'm saying because it, it's not the norm. It's they not really the norm. let you know. Yeah, for sure. No, you're, you're, but you're right about it. I'm saying you're right. About it. I'm, I'm, what you, I'm underlying, underlining. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. underlining what you said about that. It's true. There's mm-hmm. lots of can't turn right signs. 
my experience was it was kind of novel. I mean, the joke in Montreal is you can't turn right on a red light, but you can drive through one. <laughs> right. Because, you know, people drive pretty erratically there from my memory. Um, I don't know. At the time, I never really put it. I never really equated it with um, bike lane safety. Because back in 1988, when I lived there, there were no bike lanes. But I can mm-hmm. tell you this. You're also right about, and it irks me too. When I'm downtown, we were talking about Honest Ed's. Like I say, I'm, I'm in that area quite a bit. It's a lot of good restaurants. They're a great Korean town. And there's tons of bike lanes. And now what they have you doing is basically parking in the second lane where the, where the second lane used to be now is just ways where people park because the bike mm-hmm. lanes have taken up the parking. Mm-hmm. So if, if the red light, implic- if, the, if you can't turn right on a red light thing, actually made it easier to deal with cyclists, which is, I guess, what they're doing. And maybe mm-hmm. that's part of the pilot, if they're going to do a pilot project, where they would do it on, on streets like King and on Bathurst, where there are lots of bike lanes. Maybe it would make things easier. It's a bit of a drag, though, but it would make it easier to deal with because there's a ton of cyclists. Well, this is it. And... And listen, I the whole cycling thing, it's great. It's less cars in the road, and it's good, uh, you know, uh, for, for, for your physical health. I get my bee in the bonnet mm-hmm. because, um, you know, they want it both ways. They, again, they want to be treated like a car. You're supposed to be aware of them, treat them like another vehicle on the road, but they don't want to act like one. Even the other day here in my neighborhood, a four-way stop just coming out of here. So I pull up to the stop. I get there first. And you know what the rule is. When you get there first, you're the first to turn if another car approaches around the same time. Mm-hmm. So I get to the stop sign, and there's a guy coming down on a, a, a bicycle. So I, I just go to, I go to proceed a bit, and then I realize, no, he's not even stopping for that stop sign. No, I know. So he whips right straight through and by me and just sort of nods to me like, oh, thanks for waiting. And I thought, there's a perfect example. If I had started turning, you know how pissed off he would have been at, he would have been at, at me? Yeah. We're not obeying the, the, the rules of the road. Anyway, the long and the short of it, it, it just bothers me that we might have to so have this fucking revolution of, of, of driving habits here in Ontario, in particular, where I'm talking, just because cyclists won't obey the rules of the road. Because that's what, sort of what it's coming down to. I mean, it's, I mean partly for that. Because I, I could tell you, if, if, and I don't do a lot of cycling in the city, it scares me. Um, but I have cycled on Bluer a couple times when I was going through my bike phase. Mm-hmm. I'll, there's, there's more than the opposite stories where drivers ignore bikes. and dr- sure. Absolutely there is. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, the proclivity of bike lanes in Toronto. You know, I, I talked about moving here in 1989. I mean, you know, it's pretty admirable. I mean, we're a pretty bike-friendly city. I mean, Toronto mm-hmm. Mike can attest to that. And overall, it's better for the health of the people and the city itself. Without a doubt. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't want them to do it because as a driver, it's a drag. But if they did it in select areas, it would make sense. Because, you know, mm-hmm. here's the reason I say that. Because, you know, when you're in College Street or you're, my, you know, both, you know, Charlie lives at Oakwood and St. Clair. And, you know, I'm in that area, you know, and uh, Little Italy. You're, you're not driving very quickly anyway. And the inconvenience of the odd, you know, no right turn on a red light 
wouldn't really affect you. I mean, I, I just don't want them to do it in places where it doesn't make sense. Like do it where bike, do it. I would say do it where there are bike lanes and lots of cyclists. Just don't do it everywhere. Mm-hmm. But the expense that's going to go with that in the mindset of, okay, I can do it here. You know, I can do it in the 905, but I can't do it in the 416, however that would work. Yeah. And how many people might get caught off guard the odd time. Um, it's, um, and again, I get, you know, policing is part of it, too. It's like if they decided we're going to start cracking down on cyclists who aren't stopping at red lights or, you know, pausing at a red before they turn. If they start cracking, you know, can you imagine the job that would be for the cops oh, yeah. all of a sudden? No, absolutely. They, how often they'd be stopping cyclists and ticketing, and it would become a whole other issue. So it's just a bit of a clusterfuck, the whole thing. But Speaking of activities, uh, I'd say this story was sent to us by one of our listeners, and it's an American survey, and, and, but it's, I think it's going to have some application for Canadians, too. How old, your, your grandkids are between ages 6 and 12, right? Yes, May May's nine tomorrow. Oh, and Johnny is twelve. Yeah, he'll be twelve in December. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> this yeah. is the. Uh, it's called core participation. Oh no, he'll be eleven. I'm sorry, Jesus Christ, yeah. eleven. What am I saying? So this is uh, in the states, but I, I would imagine it's similar. Core participation in select sports, ages six to twelve. And again, you know, it's an American thing because they call it ice hockey. Mm-hmm. So let's leave that aside because it doesn't apply to Canada. But I thought some of the uh, some of the other things are interesting in terms of the direction of youth sports. Basically, now, here, this, here's one of the things won't surprise you. Football, tackle football, down. 13% over last. And you and I have talked about this because basically... Middle class people don't want their kids getting brain uh, damage. Mm-hmm. Baseball also down twenty percent. You know what's up though, and this this is going to tie into uh, another story that we we know should mention. Besides Ten- soccer, soccer's only up slightly. Soccer's up four oh, okay. percent. So, like youth soccer's had its revolution, like a lot because. You know, I've told you the story of my kids playing youth soccer in Oakville. Youth, youth soccer exploded already. But here's the thing mm-hmm. that surprised me. Tennis. Mm-hmm. Ten- I was going to say tennis. Tennis is up 51% in that age category. You know the other sport that's up? Golf. Golf sure. Golf's up 32% in that category. And I think I'm more surprised by tennis than I am by golf. Well, I'm surprised at golf by the cost. Because, you know, there's a lot of registration here in Canada. It's down with hockey. And it's not only the diversity of the, you know, the diversity of the population and the different interests in different sports. It's the cost. Because golf, like golf out of the box is money, man. <laughs> you know, they, they have, here's what I'm going to counter with. Over the last 20 years or so, the American uh, government and the Canadian government have started have, have supported this thing called the First Tee Program to help get kids introduced to the game at a very e- easy to afford entry level. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about country club kids. These are just everyday kids mm-hmm. getting a chance to play. But so golf aside, 
I, I was just I thought it was very interesting I thought it was interesting I would not because you said you were going to guess tennis I wouldn't have and this ties in the uh, Team Canada brought home its very first this is for women very first ever Billie Jean Cup title on the weekend which is like mm-hmm. what's the is it the Davis Cup for mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. so it's a huge huge event the stunning victory, according to the story, comes a year after the Canadian men won the Davis Cup. Mm-hmm. And here's the numbers. This is so. When I say that was an American survey that I was referencing, check this out: six point five million Canadians are playing tennis annually, and now Canada's tennis program has proved why it's among the world's best. Hmm. All surprised. That was a, all of what I just read surprised me. You? Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny. I, yeah, surprised me, but we shouldn't be surprised. You know that movie? What was it? Concussion? Yes. Is that the name of the movie? Something Concussion. like that. With uh, Will Smith? Yeah, things really changed then. And I get it. Parents don't want their kids in sports, contact sports, where they're susceptible to concussions. And, I mean, hockey really falls into that as well, needless to say, football, rugby, rugby, and all that stuff. Look at tennis. You know, again, it costs money, court time, the rackets, you know, I guess can be expensive, but a pair of running shoes and some shorts. Is there any better game for the combination of cost and conditioning? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a brilliant sport for that. You know, and you can play in teams and you can play singles. So from that standpoint, I'm not surprised. So if you want your kid involved in a sport and you want it to be good for their health, um, obviously, um, is there any better sport? I mean, even golf's great, but it it, it doesn't. Well, it's similar it's, to soccer. It's not. Yeah, but it's it's not. Is yeah, but tennis you're moving. Even soccer, you know what I mean. It's good you're running around, but tennis you're constantly moving. No, I, I would say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. soccer's as got it. I think you have to be more fit to play soccer because you're constantly really? running. Absolutely. Okay. Because in a soccer, well, okay, let's say they're similar, but mm-hmm. I, I there's lots of time in tennis when you're just standing there waiting for the ball to come to you. When right. you're when you're when you're on the pitch in soccer, you're constantly running. Doesn't matter. I, I see what you're mm-hmm. saying. That mm-hmm. it is the entries cheaper. And I, if you had said to me, "Yeah, Canada's had a boom in participation amongst tennis," and I'd be like, "Yeah, that's cool," but not that many. I, I mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to tell you, there's a guy at our golf course, and I, I'm hearing this more and more. Not pickleball but tennis. That some men who have been sort of traditional golf guys have started to gravitate towards tennis. Part of it is because of the conditioning, as you say. Part of it is because of the time. You know, golf takes a long time away for the day. And and I get it, man. You know, like, it's, you go play tennis and an hour and a half later, you're done. Well, you know, as, as you and I discovered last year, playing a little pickleball, that's the game of old people. Like, everybody mm-hmm. here... My brother and his girlfriend, all their friends, they all play pickleball every day, man. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. And it's a great thing. Eh? Isn't it funny? We sit here and we say pickleball. I don't even know how many years ago that we didn't know it existed or never heard of it. And now all of a sudden, I was just talking to a good buddy of mine recently, athletic guy. He was into, you know, the stand-up 
boards, you know, stand up paddle boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand up paddle boards. Um, now I was talking to him the other day. He's in the pickleball, loves it. You know, right in playing with other guys his age, pretty competitive. Loves. Oh yeah, it. I, I had a the, my so David, my brother, and his mm-hmm. lady friend, me cuñada, which is his sister in law in uh, Spanish. We're ha- we had dinner one night here, and they had a friend over. And I was pretty fascinated by how the intense listening to them talk about pickleball was like like listening to me and my buddies talk about golf, like the handicap system, how what your rating is. And these people play at a pretty good level and and they play three or four. I say two or three times a week, sometimes more like they they love it. You know, I was on my bike yesterday and I drove by the pickleball drove. I rode by the pickleball courts and. What's great about the game is that there's lots of room for men and women to play together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So and, and there was a game going on in the middle of the day. Like, I can't, I can't, it's fucking, it's so hot here in the middle of the day. I couldn't see it. But I was watching these people play for a while and it was, they seemed to be having fun. Anyway. When we were in uh, San Miguel there last year, you know, that place that, Dahl and I stayed with Buddy Doug and his wife Laverne. Mm-hmm. They had the, they had the uh, Paddleden. Did you play at all no. that, with us there? Um, I did not. That's the cross. It's almost like a, a racquetball court, but with it's like a racquetball court, but like tennis, and you can play it off a backboard and everything. It was that was a very interesting game. Somewhere in between tennis and racquetball and pickleball, and a little more demanding, but apparently it's quite popular too and i think they call it paddleden i listen i'd like to go and try pickleball again i really liked it that day we played you know but i'm just gonna tell you like my my i did something to my elbow i know it was eight months ago whatever it was mm-hmm. but it has been bugging me this entire golf season and part of it was just that motion of the underhand paddling but I liked it. I thought we could, you know, I had this feeling like you and I got into it sort of as the day wore on. You know, it can be pretty, it's not that I'm, I don't want to, I think it's the kind of game that you could get pretty decent at. You know, I'm not going to become a pickleball obsessive, but I could see us getting pretty good at it. Because both of you and I played racquetball together. Mm-hmm. I played a lot of squash in my 30s. Yeah. Um, and I, li- I like the fact that you, you know, you play in pairs and it's, te- it's a fun team game. That's right. You can play pairs and, you know, mixed doubles and all that kind of thing. So your elbow still hurts? It's every day, yeah. It's driving me crazy. I'm getting a- When I get back to Toronto, I'm having this procedure done in December uh, that's supposed to uh, help fix it. But it's been bugging me for months now. As part of that, did you uh, Louis C.K. it? Like part of that is that part of the problem? <laughs> is that is that your your question? Did I, did I use it too much for the jerkin? Is that what you're saying? Basically, yes, Mister. Would you call me say smart guys? <laughs> is that what you're saying, Fuck smart guys? When you go to the doctor, oh yes, I I'm familiar with that. That's the Louis C.K. syndrome. That's right. Have you yeah. been excessively jerking off? <laughs> and I would say, well, how do you define excessively? Uh, retirement <laughs> yeah. Sherpa is coming up here in a second, but I'd like to let everyone know that this program is also supported by the fine folks at Boron One. The number of items that contain boron in your home, look around. I, I ask you, look around. You'll be surprised. 
What am I talking about? Roofing materials, wallboard, paint, fiberglass insulation, cellulose insulation, all contain boron. Uh, Also, uh, when used as a treatment for construction materials such as wood, plastic, bricks, pipes, and wires, boron helps to protect from mold, fungus, and insects. It's found in your ceramic tiles. It's found in the porcelain enamel in your sinks, your refrigerators, and your pots and pans. Are you intrigued? Well, you should be, because Boron One is getting ready in the next uh, period of time to get Boron out of the ground commercially, which doesn't happen uh, in very many places on planet Earth. Go do some research about this company. As I mentioned yesterday, there are usually... Hundreds, if not thousands, of junior mining companies that never get to the point that Boron One is at this point in time. On the 15th of November, our retirement Sherpa's coming up in a moment. And he might have a thing to say about this company if you get a hold of him. Or use your Sherpa and find out what's going on with Boron One and what kind of investment opportunity it might be for you. Of course, we make no claims to have any uh, information as to the efficacy of it. But you know what? If you're interested in what I've said and you understand that Boron is everywhere, check out Boron One at BoronOne.com. That's just the way And, uh, Fredri. Yes? I just have to, um, because I know you've already spoke and quite articulately about Bodog One, but let's let uh, Bodog One... Let's let Bodog speak for themselves. For my last email, we are on board. Looking for a fast break from working so hard? When you're ready to box out some time for fun, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. We make getting the latest basketball odds and free sports tips a slam dunk. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Dan DeRue is uh, back, and uh, Tim Niblett's coming up in a few minutes' time. You know, uh, just quickly, I'm, I'm not sure if you had a... a I'm, I, there's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Israeli stuff in the news, but one of the things I... Toronto, Mike... Oh, no, there's Tim. Daniel. You want me to come back? Well, I... Not, yeah, because you were here, and I have to... I guess Tim's here. Well, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, when you come back, Dan, I do want to remind me, because I'll forget... I want to quickly talk about something Mike brought up on the show last week that I took the time to watch, and it's the Fifth Estate episode. Mm. Buffy St. Marie thing? About Buffy St. Marie. Did any of you guys watch it? No. No. Um, I'm going to tell you, it's one, of the most, it's one of the strangest things I've ever seen from somebody that's pretty famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Dan, just remind me, because I, I think you'll find it fascinating. All right. Okay. All right. Dan, good speaking. Mm. Here comes Tim Niblett. Let's get him settled in. And uh, you, st- yeah, you still have the Tim Niblett stuff. I'm trying to think where I do with it. Oh, there it is. Tim Niblett. Do, 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 do. Hello, Timmy. Good morning from Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, Tallahassee. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, new house, new computer, same mic. Are we doing okay here volume-wise for you? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not 100% sure that we're hearing you through the microphone. 
Well, after last week, I remember to pay attention to that. Just do, I, just, I do, just do this. I think you might. I think you might be. This could be a bit airy in that room. That's all. It sounds good. You just tap the mic with your finger. Yep. I think we're hearing. No, I'm not hearing that. I don't know what to tell you. I do have all the right things all uh, clicked on uh, there for us. All right, man. And it sounds fine. That sounds fine. Are you uh, visiting family in Tallahassee? So thank you for asking. Um, We're visiting our grandson and the two dogs because our daughter is uh, at a ceremony tomorrow, partly in her honor in Vancouver, British Columbia, and our son-in-law left very early this morning to uh, catch up with her. Mm-hmm. You know, I once had a crush on a Tallahassee lassie. Oh, yeah, it's long ago. <laughs> did, did you, smart guy? Um, Would you like me to keep a lookout for her? <laughs> uh, so yeah. let me get this straight, Tim. So your, your daughter's being honored. Your son-in-law is on the way. You're now babysitting the kid and two dogs. Wow. Nice. Yes, good grandpa. Her. And her own, of course, right? But yeah. Lorna was on take the kid to school duty, and we've got our A plus student sign on the lawn again out here. So uh, we're we're quite proud of the young lad there. Oh mm-hmm. man, as you should be. Uh, well, let's get started because we got lots to get through today. He is, of course, the retirement sherpa. Here's his music. Tim is a portfolio manager. Tim dot at RaymondJames.ca. I love the uh, Raymond James background today. Live from Tallahassee, Florida. It's good to talk to you. Good to catch up. Look again, you know, we have somebody in Canada, somebody in uh, Florida, somebody in Mexico. It's like the North American free... Are we still in that? The North American free trade? I don't remember. I have the lost track. No, it's got a different name now. What's it called now? Remember Mr. Trump redid it? Oh, that's right. When I knew, I knew a Trump. Oh, the Amex something. or something? Okay. And he did an amazing job negotiating and was just a phenomenal winner and everything was about the same as before he started. <laughs> that's right. And then Mexico is paying for everything. Mexico is paying for soldiers and a wall. Um, the article you sent us, sent us very interesting. Um, the uh, 20 most common investing mistakes in particular, uh, there was uh, there was a few that you wanted to talk uh, to this morning. Uh, number one is working with the wrong advisor. Right. So I absolutely love this because there's 20 of them here. They're all great. They're from the CFA Institute, which is a chartered financial analyst institute, a very uh, cerebral group. And uh, man, if we do five a week, I've got four weeks worth of content here. So that that's the most exciting part of all, I think. Oh, so this is what we're doing. That's right. You've made the point here. 16 to 20 we're going to talk about today. And then each week we work our way up the list. It'll be like the 100 be- best rock songs of all time, Fred. We'll be working our way up. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So I'd prefer to, to end with 16, as I'm sure you can figure out why. So uh, great chart. I, I don't know if this is something you guys could put up on your website. Cause Absolutely, it, it, I could. I'll put a ton a, of great info. I'll, Timmy, uh, so, when, as, as soon as the show's over, I'm going to put this up on Facebook. Well, thank you very much. So 19 is probably a good place to start because it talks about neglecting to start, right? So mm-hmm. uh, just like when you're talking about uh, getting healthier or losing weight or improving your pickleball skills or whatever, uh, if you don't start on the process, uh, the confused to say the longest journey begins with one step, of course. So uh, just plain start, pay some attention. If, if you're investing already, again, just pay some attention to it and know what's 
going on. That, that's one of the top uh, things that the CFA Institute says that we could uh, could do better. Mm-hmm. And that's 19. What is 18? Number 18, chasing yield. So what that would mean is it's not talking about interest rates as an example now, uh, but companies will pay dividends out to their shareholders, uh, the profits in essence. Uh, I, I know a, a number of my buddies down here in Florida got caught in this a few years ago. Uh, energy stocks were paying a lot of yield, so they pay 9% uh, dividend uh, over the year to the, the shareholders. But uh, at the same time, the stocks are going down 20%. So, you know, if you chase yield, you got to pay attention to whether the stock's going to go up in value or not as well. It's a combination of both that uh, is very important. Okay, and um, moving on. I, and by the way, I do apologize, uh, starting with number 16. I, I, I should have understood. <laughs> I should have known that we were going to do a bit. Number 17, <laughs> investing with emotions. Yes. So uh, that's uh, definitely something that ties into lots of parts of life. And well, this would be kind of a prime example for the last few years. It's kind of been a little more tread and water than anything. There's been profits to be made out out there. There always are. And thankfully, we found lots of them. But uh, you just got to try to keep your head when uh, since I'm using all kinds of authors references like Rudyard Kipling said you know keep your head when others are losing mm-hmm. theirs right so uh, investing with emotions it's really can be a positive thing because if you think of it in the general populace there's always enough people buying high and selling low as an example and if you can invest with logic instead and look forward uh, one of the best metaphors I ever had was, you know, it, it's like being in a car. The, the windshield's a lot bigger than the rearview mirror for a reason. And uh, investing would be the same. you got to look forward at all times. Okay, now we didn't, we didn't prepare this, so I hope it works. Fred, before we get to number 16, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> number 16. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't even uh, come up with this uh, as number 16, but, you know, it talks about working with the wrong advisor, right? you got to make sure your advisor is the right fit for you, too. I mean, there could be lots of competent ones out there, and there definitely are. Uh, is it a good fit for you? Does he or she kind of think somewhat the same way, but but maybe also challenge you a bit, right? If you do what you would do without an advisor, the advisor's not adding any value at all. So do they have the team? Do they have the the business experience even? Like, it's something we don't talk about enough. Of course, it's important to have your designations and your licensing and, and all those resources for sure. Um, but can they run their business right? Do they have too many clients to get in touch with you properly? And, and mm-hmm. all? So you really, you've really got to make sure they're a good business person as well as a good advisor. So much to think about. So much to think about. That's for sure. And I mean, the, working with the wrong advisor, yeah, you'd have to feel f- for people that choose that wrong guy because there's so much on the line. So very important. Um, I'm going to put this article up because there's a great detail in all of these. There's only, we've only touched on a few of them. Uh, you'll get to see what we're looking at. One of the things I found fascinating, back to 19, if I can, about uh, neglecting to start, there's a fact here that says if you... Um, Consider two people investing $200 a month, assuming a 7% annual rate of return until the age of 65. If you start at age 25, using those numbers, you know, 200 bucks a month, at age 65, you would accumulate 520000 If you wait 10 years, 
You still do okay, but you only accumulate 245000 almost half. So that idea, these ideas of, you know, the best time to start is, you know, 20 years ago. But I, lo- I love all that, uh, that stuff. And, and it easy, it's easy to understand even for, you know, fellows like us. It's uh, advisor.visualcapitalist.com. And I'll put this up as soon as we're done. Uh, done. Okay, Timmy? Yeah, well, thank you very much. Thank you. You know, on on, on that note, it it would kind of be akin also to just plain looking at your portfolio or looking at your plan. Like, if you're not on the right track right now for what you need to do, and maybe you are, that's great to to know for sure. Uh, It's a heck of a lot better to be aware of of that today than it is 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. All right, my friend, this is good. There's all sorts of stuff. I'm just looking at one now called Expecting Too Much. This is a great one. It says, Investors' Annual Return Expectations, 15.6. Financial Professional Annual Return Expectations, 7.0. So having the right advisor to give you the the, the correct perspective on what your expectations can be and how you can manage them. And I think that's probably why you're so good at your gig because you help people manage their expectations. It is very important, and uh, I love what I do, so uh, that, that kind of helps as well. And I got to say, I'm loving playing a much easier golf course, Howard, down here uh, <laughs> right now. The, the game of golf is much more enjoyable than it was at Glen Cairn this summer. I'm glad you're having a good time. <laughs> uh, this will surprise you. I've been here for two weeks and a day, and I've only played four times. Wow. I know. I know. Lots of seniorita time? Yes, yes. There's some nice. Yeah, she was over for dinner again last night. Uh, yes, I'm spending some time uh, hanging out with Julieta and uh, just uh, riding a bike and doing stuff that people do apparently when they're not golfing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is life after, uh, or at least between golf courses, yeah. uh, golf rounds. Is that I what had you're no saying? idea. I, I had no idea. I had no idea what people did. Uh, Tim.nibblet at RaymondJames.ca. Thank you, my friend. Safe travels. Yes, awesome to see you guys as always, and uh, as almost always, enjoy and profit. I will do. Okay, buddy, take it easy. Thanks, guys. Yeah, this thing, I think a lot of people will enjoy looking at this, because there's lots of stuff in it, if you're interested in your money. Uh, You're not golfing as much, but still a lot of strokes, right? (laughs) Okay. All right. What? That's, you know, come on. We're talking about a... A beautiful woman who doesn't need any of your horrible, horrible thoughts. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's up. Uh, but just quickly, that, you know, I'm just looking again here at that waiting 10 years, what it can mean to your portfolio. You know, on $200 a month, I mean, that sounds like a lot of money to a lot of people, but it's almost to the point now where you can't afford not to do something like that. Given, you know, pension plans and companies and the gig, you know, the gig, uh, what do you call it? The the gig economy? The gig economy that is pretty much, you know, taking over for everyone. So, yeah. Lot to think about when it comes to that stuff. I keep saying lot to think about, but it is. It's a lot to think about. And a lot of people just like to sort of ignore it and hope it goes away, but it don't. Speaking of ignoring it and hope it would go away, the curious tale of Buffy St. Marie, Dan. I'm telling you. <laughs> Here's someone who uh, 
I've you know known we've most known about our whole lives as this you know indigenous performer recipient of the Order of Canada has done more to raise the profile of indigenous people uh, claims to have been born in Piapot, Saskatchewan you know uh, and then was raised was somehow as he was taken away from her family at a young age and raised by some people Americans in Massachusetts this is the story that we all heard. But this story on the Fifth Estate is wild because they do all this research, real research, not just Googling stuff. And they do all this research where they found her birth certificate. They talked to her family like her brother. It's, it's just an incredible tale. She's less indigenous. Like I'm I, I said to Mike the other day, I was talking to Mike. I'm more indigenous. I, at least I was born in Saskatchewan. I'm telling you, it's it is worth your time if you go and if anyone listening wants to check it out. And she's got lawyer letters to, uh, trying to get people to stop talking about this. There, there's a um, what's that? Stop talking about it. Really? Yes. There's a so, freight. Yeah. What does she does she act, is she confronted with it in this documentary? She's not confronted on camera, but there are letters from her legal team saying you better stop doing you better stop saying this. These, you know, um, saying things like, you know, for a lot of indigenous people, they don't know where their birth certificates was. But they, they found her birth certificate. They, mm-hmm. they, they talked to her family. Everyone knew she was this phrase I'd never heard before. I called a pretendian. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people that are that pretend to be indigenous, but no one more famous than her. Uh, I know we don't have time to get into it now because Dan's got to do the news, but I'll just tell you, I watched it the other day. It's 40 minutes long, and you can easily find it. Just go Fifth Estate, YouTube, Buffy St. Marie. Well, Mike sent me the link, so I'll get it. Honestly, guys, it really is. I just kept looking at it saying, how could this this have gone on this long? Mm -hmm. Like her niece is quoted, her brother's daughter. Her brother's daughter, the family she grew up in in Massachusetts, that brother's daughter on camera saying, no, this this she was born here in some small town outside of Boston or outside of whatever. I don't know what the city is. It doesn't matter. And then she just created this story of being indigenous. She's not. She's a white kid from America. It's crazy. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. She duped an entire nation, eh? Wow. But for years, she's 80-some yeah. years old, man. Books. Yeah. There's all these interviews with her. You can see her on camera. Awards. Some of the undeserved awards now. And think about this. Like, there's a lot of indigenous people mm-hmm. that, you know, that sort of may have been looked over because Buffy St. Marie was the most famous of them. Yeah. But she's not... The fact that she duped this... this it's a crazy, it, you know, it's almost like you can't believe it, except they're, they're talking to people who were her family in Massachusetts. It's crazy. Anyway, dude. So she wasn't even born in Piapon? No, sir. So she wasn't even Canadian? No. No. So all that can come. She's not indigenous. We, she's a white person. We were playing. We were playing Lesby St. Marie. Did we play her as CanCon? Under the, uh, the CanCon? Oh, I think of course so. you would. Wow. Oh, yeah, Dan. Like, she was born to a white family in this town uh, in Massachusetts. Check this out. One last thing that's crazy. So her brother, there's all these letters he wrote to the editors of newspapers back in the 70s saying, this is, this is all bullshit. She's my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the family she and letters to the like, cute. This isn't like something new. This has been going on. This little subterfuge or whatever has been going on for years. Here's what she did. 
She had her legal team in Los Angeles send him a cease and desist letter. And, and the, the daughter shows this. But inside the envelope was a handwritten note from her saying, if you don't stop this, I'm going to tell everyone how you molested me as a kid. What? Yes, man. It's fucking wild. Anyway, Buffy St. Marie, this indigenous Order of Canada superstar, one of the great hoaxes of all time. Go check it out. And I'm glad she's still alive while this is being exposed so she can suffer the consequences if there are any. Well, the whatever consequences, because she continues to deny it. Like, that's the crazy thing is even mm-hmm. the even the fifth estate got a letter from her lawyer saying, hey, you better watch it. You know, you're making these accusations that have been years been blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, yeah. Look at it. It works for Trump, right? You just keep hammering away at the bullshit. And then it slowly becomes truth, I guess. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Trump's indigenous, too? <laughs> All right, everybody. No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran. A yeah, hell of a guy yeah, with yeah. a hella big wang. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes. As for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from Another random contractor's Are you given a room Or do you have to sleep in a tent? Where do you have to room? Are you part of the... I get a room Yeah, I get a room (laughs) Okay is there, um, is there a nice, comfortable bed? It is a very comfortable bed, and it's uh, and they feed me. So it's good. wow. Yeah. Do so, yeah. do you get do you put in an order, or do you just eat what the family eats? Uh, it's the family eats, but they ask me if I'm interested in certain things, and you know, some, if I'm not, I just go out and you know, one of the fine restaurants here in Stratford. There's oh, many. So, there's good restaurants here. So, so they say to you something like, "Hey Dan, we're having a uh, chicken pot pie tonight. Are you interested? No, nope, going out. Thanks." That yeah, type of pretty, thing? Pretty much that. Do, do you have if you're the, having steaks, I'd stay. <laughs> do, do, you have the, uh, do you have the run of the place? Are you allowed to go to the fridge and get a snack and uh, a healthy yeah, snack if sure. you want? Just open yeah. the fridge and just start mowing down through their snacks. Much. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, live, live from that situation, here's a movie anchor and uh, everyday, every man handyman. Yeah. Dan Duran. Okay, so I've got a story uh, about uh, uh, a bit of a playground fist fight uh, almost happening in a Senate committee meeting hearing. That's coming up. But first, let's talk about what's happening in space. Tools in space. Mm. Oh, cool. Astronauts (laughs) at the ISS on Tuesday accidentally lost a tool bag during a spacewalk. Now, this is their first spacewalk, so you got to, you know, give them a little, you know, leeway here. But they were having problems fixing the solar array in time, so they're thinking about how to do things for the next spacewalk. So they got distracted, and a bag of tools just floated off into space. Oh, no. Orbiting the Earth. $100,000 worth of tools. Can you imagine my shop, if I had $100,000 worth of tools, just floating away in space. So Mission Control analyzed. Now, here's the thing. You make a mistake like that. Now you've got Mission Control. You know, everybody in Mission Control knows you made that mistake, and they have analyzed the bag's trajectory. 
and mm. determined whether or not it's a risk of recontacting the space station in low Earth orbit. And they figured out that the onboard crew in the space station are safe with no action required. So now they've assigned the bag uh, space junk numbers. Wow. <laughs> and they'll be floating around in space until they come crashing down into the Earth, orbiting uh, in a way that you can actually, if you uh, hmm. were spending enough time and had a great set of binoculars, you could actually see the bag out in front of the space station. You know, what happens to the bag of tools when it comes back to Earth and kabonks somebody on the noggin? Well, it won't do that because there's absolutely zero chance of that because it'll burn up during the reentry process. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, there's that. The, so they won't yeah. end up at a garage sale. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> <Can> you imagine? <laughs> how much? Do you, and why wouldn't they fling off for this thing? And why wouldn't they fling on into outer space and end up at you know at planet or orbit nine six five? Yes. Well, they didn't. It didn't. They didn't fling it away. It just sort of floated off. You know, probably they just bumped it or something, and it yeah. just moved slightly ahead. Yeah, they didn't the fling station. it. Yeah. There's no flinging. No, all. no. I, I, what I meant is, couldn't even if they dropped it, it just go the you know away from Earth as opposed to towards Earth. It's just just a question. I'm sorry for asking. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you should be. control that. How do you not know that? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that thing like in space no one can hear you say whoops <laughs> fucking that would be that would be Dan Duran up there going uh, guys I um, uh, the tools uh, yeah they're gone now what fuck uh, that was my favorite screwdriver <laughs> no it's just one of those things are, um, guys yeah um, we're gonna have to go back inside now because the fucking tools are gone uh, what was the uh, yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah guys I've lost the fucking tools what's that yeah the tools are gone Pardon me? Yeah, the tools. They're gone. Uh, Dan, what about the uh, fist fight? I heard about this. What happened? Well, it was two guys. Uh, one is a Republican senator. And then there's the president of the Teamsters Union who, you know, got all these great uh, deals for the American uh, uh, auto workers. Yes. Down there. Anyway, they were in a, some sort of committee meeting along with Bernie Sanders. And the uh, I guess what had happened is that they had um, online had sort of gotten into a uh, back and forth. And so this uh, Republican uh, senator whose uh, name is Marwayne Mullen mm. uh, of Oklahoma decided to talk about those during this committee and he uh, read he said have you've sent me five of these uh, you know things on uh, on instagram or whatever and uh, he's started this clip starts with him reading the last the fifth one quit the tough guy act and these senate hearings you know where to find me any place any time cowboy sir this is a time this is a place you want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, stop it. Is that your solution? Every pull. No, no. Sit down. No, you're a clown. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Oh, okay, okay. Sit down, please. All right. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Chairman. it. Hold it. We can't. No, I have the mic. Said. I'm sorry. This is hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. God knows the American people have enough of contempt for Congress. Let's not. I don't make like it worse. thugs and you, bullies. You have, and you have, I don't like you because you just described yourself. Yeah, hold it. You have yeah. the mic. Yeah. You have time. All right. Just say. Then let's do this because I did challenge you and I accepted your challenge, and you went quiet. 
No, I didn't go quiet. I was. No, I was no, no, you no, challenged no. me to a cage match, no, no, acting no. like a twelve-year-old schoolyard no, bully. Excuse me. Hold on. No, excuse me. I, I will say. I will say exactly. Senator Mullen, I have the mic. You have questions on any economic issues, anything that's like, go for it. We're not here to talk about physical abuse. You brought. We're not talking yeah. about. Of course, and, I did. and let me tell you, let me show you his hearing because I want to. I want to expose this thug. To who he is. And Could you not point to me? That's disrespectful. All right. I don't care about respecting you at all. I, respect I don't respect you respect. at all. So, all right, hold let me, it. Let me, let hold me. it. No. And it goes on and on. Wow. That's where they're at. Fuck, these guys are so bad. And that's what Bernie says. You're a United States senator. Use your fucking head. And if anybody thinks that isn't attached to the orange pig... They're just naive. You know what I mean? The way it's just like a runaway train now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's what uh, people are uh, paying for. That's You know, that's why the average, mm-hmm. you know, the average person uh, just has no idea what what's going on and who they're electing and what's going on. And, they, you know, you said committee meeting. Average person wouldn't even know what a committee meeting was. I barely do. Well, they break off and they talk about various... No, exactly. I don't even know what this one was about, but it was, you know, various things in the world of uh, whatever they, they're set up to control. <clears throat> I can look it up, but I don't know what this, I don't know what this one was about. Yeah, but it, it doesn't... My point is they have them all the time, and this is what they do day after day and as, as their job. Anyway, we, uh, we got to wrap this up. I just, by the way, if you're looking at our uh, Facebook page, I just put up 20 most common investing mistakes. It's there for you now. And, uh, you know, someday we're going to have this guy on the show, this Sean Menard character. Someday. Mm -hmm. You know? But I don't think we should promote it (laughs) anymore until he's actually here. Mm -hmm. I am looking forward to talking to him. All right. Same here. Uh, Tomorrow's a big email. We can all relate to much music. Tomorrow's the big email show brought to you by Palma Pasta. Uh, Dan Duran, uh, can you uh, do the honors? This episode uh-huh. of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Dan, Dan, the Retirement Dan, Sherpa. Dan, yeah. Dan, Dan. Yeah, For what? some reason, that seemed to start at the end. Why is that? Hang on. Can I start over again? No, no, you're, you're, it wasn't you. It was... Uh... All right. Okay, now it seems to be working fine. Okay. Should I go now? Or? Yes, please, and thank you. Yeah, okay. Okay, so this episode of Friends. Yeah, do all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, <laughs> Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, Bodog, and Kelsey's. For contests and comments, we read all of the emails. Hey, we got a show coming up. The email show. So Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. You know, send it to us. Tell us so what you think, you know, good, bad, and we'll uh, we'll air it out on air. Tell your friend to subscribe to subscribe to this podcast and maybe uh, share an episode. That really helps us out as well. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, no cage matches in your life. Just sit back and enjoy every goddamn day. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Where's that?